yeah. It's Mr. Encore. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah, check. Fantasy sports and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this. Cover every sport and we get it all right. Log on the site, you can listen tonight. Talk about the game, who in first place. You can even call up, state your own case. Football, b-ball, soccer too. Log on, ain't nobody stopping you. It's fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah, come on. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah, lock on. Peace. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to a nice, quiet evening on a Thursday night. If you're listening to us, it's the FSP Crew Show. We would like to welcome you to the program. I am JT, a.k.a. The Mass, and I'm as usual. I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, my fellow Jersey guy. They call him Jeff, and also a.k.a. The Joker. Two Jersey guys laying it down, as we do uh, for most weeks, unless uh, something unforeseen happens. Apologize for last week. Uh, that was not of my doing. That was uh, Block Talk Radio. Anyway, we're here this week. The number to call in is 347 347- Six three seven three two two zero. I'll say that again. It's three four seven six three seven three two two zero is the place to be if you want to talk to Jeff from me on this uh, uh, Thursday evening. Uh, we also have a chat room sitting out there for your convenience. Lay your knowledge in that chat room, whether it's a question or a statement or a comment. It's there for you to take advantage of if you so please. Um, tonight. We're going to talk about uh, some guys that are going to be receiving or receiving a gold jacket that um, played in the NFL. Also talking about guys that seem to, that seem that don't want to stay off the Mary Jane, and it's costing them. And uh, um, whatever else may hit, hit the airways. We're going to talk about this guy's a cornerback that can't seem to keep out of the. Um, the headlines, one way or the other, um, I guess because he, the one of note, the one of notoriety, the hot one of last year, everybody's taking pot shots at him. Uh, some guys can take it, some guys can't. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, without further ado, let me bring in my esteemed co-host. Like I said, Jeff, they call him the Joker. What's up, my man? Hey, Jerry. Uh Thanks for the introduction. Hello. (laughs) Happy to be here. Yeah, good, 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 man. Uh, Good. It's been a a couple weeks, uh, but we're here now. And uh, first on the the top of the list, uh, I'm an NFL guy. I love the NFL, love watching it. Um, Not too crazy about the uh, uh, office or the management part of it, but I do like the guys who play the play the, do play get on the field and play the game. Ooh, that was a mouthful. Anyway, um, and uh, there's eight of them that's taking that taking that green jacket. Some of them are um, uh, here, um, and some of them are have passed, but still are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Talking about uh, uh, and and this has got to be a pretty good class, man, because I'm looking at this class. And 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 I'm I'm impressed 
by all these guys, um, uh, and, and in no particular order, I'm just running the names down, and it's Eddie, Eddie DiBartola Jr., who was the owner at the time when the 49ers were the 49ers, um, running roughshod over the NFL and winning multiple championships uh, unless until he got himself in some hot water and had to be um, had to leave the ownership uh, box of the NFL. Uh, Tony Dungy, um, enough said. How about Brett Favre, enough said. Kevin Green, uh, a high-energy uh, um uh, linebacker who got the most out of uh, what his ability, uh, Marvin Harrison, um, and when it's time, you know that Peyton Manning going to going to go there. Marvin Harrison definitely benefited from uh, Peyton Manning. Orlando Pace, a big time um, uh, offensive lineman, uh, mountain of a man, and, but a gentle personality. Uh, Kenny Stabler, the snake. Um, He's no longer with us, but he should have gotten in a long time ago, but he's getting in now, so it's it's, uh, um, it's a mute point. Uh, unfortunately, he's not here to enjoy it, but his family is. And Dick Stanfield. Now, I'm trying to think who Dick Stanfield is, and maybe Jeff, before uh, he goes on the other ones that I just named. Dick Stanfield. Who is Dick Stanfield? you have an idea, Jeff? Uh, he played guard in the uh, 50s. For uh, the Lions and uh, and the, and the uh, Washington NFL team, okay. um, you know, uh, I'll tell you, it, it's tough for a guard to get in some positions. It's tough. It's tough for a guard to get yes. in there. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about him, but he must have been excellent because he didn't have a very long career. He didn't play for great teams. Um, it's nice to see someone like him be recognized. And you know what? If you watch, I don't usually like long speeches, like at award shows and whatever. But, you know, NFL Hall of Fame, you know what? That's your moment. They're talk, they were talking last year that they should start limiting the speeches. No, let them talk, you know, because most of the speeches, they're usually very classy. I have no problem with it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's a once-a-year thing for the fans. Uh, I, I don't have an issue with it. Uh, so, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, let me see if Dick Stanfield... Uh, if he's still with us, hopefully he is. No, no he he's passed not. Away he, last year. He, he passed away and, al- al- almost a year ago. And you know what? Um, that brings me to my next point. It ticks me off a little that um, Ken Stabler is getting inducted yep. now. Yeah. What? They, they they couldn't put him in, or or with Dick Stanfield. You know, they they couldn't put Stabler in when he was still alive to to, to enjoy it. I mean, I'm sure it's still a great honor for for his his daughters, his grandsons. Um, but, you know, and they knew he, he was in poor health his last couple of years. I, I mean, I don't get it. You know, it's not like, I mean, he's been retired. Uh, his career ended in 84. He's been eligible for a long time. So I don't know if that ever enters in, in the discussion, if a guy's borderline. And, you know, Stabler was one of those guys – you know, uh, when I first started watching football, he was one of the great quarterbacks. Uh, he's got a Super Bowl ring, uh, was a real clutch guy. His numbers, if you look in today's NFL, aren't that impressive. That's why you have to compare him to his contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, and, and then sometimes, you know, once a chunk of years go by after a guy is retired, a great player like Stabler, you almost assume that he's in there, you know? Yep. Um, and and then a few years ago, I heard he wasn't. I'm like, gee, I, I thought he'd be in. But uh, I, I guess he didn't have the gaudy numbers. Uh, you know, he had a decent length career, but he got off to a slow start. So, you know, he wasn't going to compile the big numbers. I'm not sure because uh, a lot of this uh, Hall of Fame is uh, private discussion. I'm glad you brought it up because I was that was the first thing on my mind was Hall of Fame, which is, you know, off the field. But NFL, you know, or uh, technically it's not the NFL Hall of Fame. It's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, you know, um, it, it could also include accomplishments from other pro leagues. I mean, the NFL is the, you know, pro league. But, you know... Uh, you have to take the other pro leagues under consideration. I, I've actually been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and they do have a little space devoted to other pro leagues. And, hey, uh, uh, the AFL, you know, um, the, the original AFL, not the Arena Football League, the American Football League, ended up merging with the NFL. So that's huge. And, and technically that was a, another league for a lot of years, and that was yep. on par with the NFL. So, uh you know they get their props in in there, and uh, uh, you know they, they they did have a nice little exhibit about the other leagues, like uh, the Arena League, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also, uh, you want to go back uh, AAFC, All American Football Conference. Uh, four of those teams got absorbed into the NFL: uh, Cleveland Browns, uh, Baltimore Colts, Forty ers and I can't think of the other one. Maybe it was just three. But, um, you know, the AAFC, uh, they were good, in, you know, uh, they were good enough to get absorbed into the NFL. So, uh, you know, uh, NFL it doesn't have, well, doesn't quite have or didn't quite have the monopoly on pro football. Well, let me let me ask you this then, because um, I just thought about this. And uh, before I moved to a different team, still in the, it, it, within the AFL. Um, I was a, a Jet fan, and and quite naturally, the Jets were in the AFL, the American Football League, um, uh, and in direct competition with the um, the uh, NFL. And in my opinion, and you can correct me on this, but I I, I feel this very strongly. When the NFL who was in competition with the AFL, and because the AFL started taking some of the high-profile players um, and um, decided to merge with the AFL, became a more exciting league because the type of teams that were in the AFL um, versus the uh, establishment type of uh, um um, teams that were in the NFL who mainly played defense and ran the football. And, but in the AFL, there, it was a more wide-open game. It was a quarterback league, to, t- to tell you the truth. They ran the ball quite – I mean, they threw the ball quite a bit and had big-time big plays uh, in the a- AFL. And in my opinion, and I want to get your feedback on this, I think that's when the um, NFL, when it merged with the AFL – and we're, we're two leagues into one. 
with two conferences, NFC conference and AFC conference, which makes up the two teams from each conference of the Super Bowl, created a more exciting league, and that's when it, the popularity, in my opinion, took off. What's your thoughts? Well, you know, let's compare it uh, to Major League Baseball. And in Major League Baseball, they had expansion, and that's frequently a long, painful process. So the NFL, I mean, yeah, they, it, they did cost them a lot of money competing for players with the AFL, but the AFL, they started with eight teams, uh, and then they added two more. The two uh, AFL expansion teams were uh, Miami and uh, Cincinnati, which I think mm-hmm. at that point they, they knew they were or, or pretty sure that they were going to merge. But boom, you know, instead of adding, and in those days expansion teams were the pits, instead of adding, you know, lousy, really miserable expansion teams two at a time, they take in the AFL teams, boom, you have 10 established franchises. Okay, at that point Cincinnati and Miami were a little new, but that's the way to expand. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the way to do it, not just two stinky teams at a time. And and the – the AFL had a had a more exciting style of play, yep. and you know, as everyone knows, you know, first two Super Bowls, you know, Green Bay had their way with uh, Kansas City and then Oakland, but then uh, you know, your former uh, team, the Jets, they really uh, taught a lesson to a Colts to the Colts, and uh, you know, and that's a game that people are still talking about, mm-hmm. which is insane, forty something years later, yep. and there, there's still conspiracy theories and. Actual good theory on what could have happened was um, that, and this is just one of these things you you, you just you don't even think about that. Supposedly, um, Earl Morrill started the game for the Colts, who uh, yep. I think um, you know he was considered a journeyman, but he was an MVP that year because uh, United missed that season uh, most of it uh, with an injury, right? And Morrill played great. The rest of the Colts played great. I think they went 13-1. and one. Um, That, and it, this is just hard to imagine. Supposedly, in the AFL at the time, and it started, I think, because they didn't have good corners. They played a lot of zone defense, and the NFL played a lot of man-to-man, and Earl Morrill struggled with the zone defense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to imagine. A lot of people think the game was fixed because there was so much money at stake for the merger, and they wanted, uh, you know, the powers that be, they wanted uh, an AFL win to seal the deal. I I don't think that happened because that would mean maybe Morrill was in on it, which I don't think he's ever been associated with anything sleazy. Um, uh, Would that mean Don Shula was in on it? You know, I mean, come on. That, that guy's never been associated with anything sleazy. Uh, I find it hard to believe, but it just goes to show you the the, the legend of, of that huge game. Um, but, you know, you said something earlier about this being a, an impressive Hall of Fame class, and I'll tell you, in some ways it is, but I can't remember ever seeing an, uh, a Hall of Fame class that wasn't impressive, and that's mm-hmm. the way it should be. Yep. You know, yep. I, I mean... You know, there's always going to be, and I have a few, you know, fans who say, oh, this guy should be in there, that guy should be in there. That's okay. Better that than, oh, what's that guy doing in there, you know? Right. <laughs> because right. it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Good Players. Um, 
So as much as I would love for Phil Simms to be there, as much as I'd love for Otis Anderson to be there, even for an off-the-field guy, George Young, uh, I heard somebody was saying he should be in there. Wait a minute, wait a minute. George Young's not in there? No, right? There you go. We went a, a, a legendary executive, uh, you know, a lot of years go by, you just you just almost assume he's in there. No, he's not in there. I'm not. I'm not making this this surprise up. I'm. I'm dead serious. I thought George Young was in there. I, I really no. Did. I. I. You know. Now, and then something. I'm curious. You know, at this current class. You know, these are all. Other than Dick Stanfield, um, these guys all played, or coached or owned. You know, during the time when I remember. So these are all. You know, top candidates, obviously. Um, I remember a few years back thinking, hey, when's Kevin Green going to get in there? And, I, you know, he had to wait a little bit. You know, I guess he was, uh, you know, he was known for his pass rushing, but uh, he was one of the all-time greats at it. So, and, he, you know, he also, uh, you know, he played some run defense too. And, um, and you know, he's one of these guys, I think a lot of, back in the day, a lot of the great players would go into coaching. And then I think when the money got big, Star guys didn't star players or former star players didn't go into coaching, but Kevin Green got back into coaching. He was away from the game for a while, and uh, I don't I don't know if he still is, but he was coaching the linebackers up in Green Bay under his uh, former uh, coordinator uh, Dom Capers. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, if I was a linebacker, I'd be real excited to be working with a guy like Kevin Green. Um, uh, I mean, not, great players aren't always great coaches, but. Hey, I'd want to find out firsthand. So you're right. You know, you you got Ron Wolf and you got Bill Polian, who uh, built um, uh, franchises and, and were Super Bowl winners uh, uh, from the management side of it. I I I'm 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 shocked. I, I really am shocked that, that I thought George Young, um, now, uh, who 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 took the Giants from the doldrums. And built that franchise as the one of the well-respected franchises as we speak in the NFL. I mean, you know, uh, believe me, I remember what the Giants were like before George Young. You know, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom, and the miracle of the Meadowlands was rock bottom. And I was at that game. I was 10 years old. I was. I mean, Giant Stadium must have had a million seats that day because everybody claims they were there. Well, I was there, and. Um, uh, it, you know, so the Giants were had been a joke for years, and the the oh, it was co-owned by uh, the Maras, uh, uh, the late Wellington and his nephew Tim, and each had fifty percent stake or controlled a fifty percent stake, and they had trouble agreeing on who their general manager should be. It had previously been Andy Robistelli, who had been a star player for them back in the fifties, but. He wasn't doing a good job, and uh, they couldn't agree on someone. And I think uh, the commissioner, uh, Pete Rosell, stepped in, recommended George Young, who had been uh, an executive with Miami, and he really straightened out the Giants. Uh, They brought in Ray Perkins, and they didn't win big right away, but, you know, he got rid of the dead wood and uh, put them on the right track. And, uh, you know, they won two Super Bowls with George Young, you know, he drafted very well, uh, made good personnel decisions, um, hired uh, coaches like Parcells, um, and uh, he wouldn't admit to it. But but George Young's big mistake was um, 
not having uh, scabs lined up for the strike games in 87. <laughs> but he would okay. never admit it. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he kind of said why, you know. Uh, but he never actually admitted it because George Young was a very bright guy. Um, yeah. He had, I think, a master's in history and uh, uh, very, very well-educated, very bright guy. And uh, he knew if he admitted it, it would be mentioned in his obituary. He basically said that once. Cause, well, R- Pete Rozelle regretted playing the NFL games the weekend after uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, and, and that was mentioned in his obituaries. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you wonder if I think there is there's some politics behind the scene. I don't think Young was a controversial figure, but you never know. Now, that's what um, I'm curious, um, I think, about uh, off-the-field issues with Marvin Harrison. I wonder if that kept him out for a couple of years. I don't know. I mean, there there were other wide receivers that, in my opinion, were more deserving uh, and then Marvin Harrison. And right now, I guess, um, and, and we're going to get to him because I have a list of guys, and George Young is on the list uh, of guys that uh, should be in the Hall of Fame. And I thought he was until I looked at this list and realized he wasn't. Uh, draft short, drafted Phil Sims, drafted Lawrence Taylor. Like I said, he like you said, he promoted Bill Parcells as a head coach, and he also um, hired uh, the current general manager Jerry Reese as a scout at the time, and Ernie Acorsi, who took over for George Young when he left, uh, was uh, George Young's assistant. So he laid the groundwork and the foundation uh, for this franchise for many years to come, and like I said, up until this point. Um, they're, 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 they're still really basically following that model. Um, and uh, I am really shocked that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I thought he got in the Hall of Fame a years ago. Really shocked um, about that. Uh, another guy I'm shocked about, uh, I would say shocked about, but I thought he, uh, he uh, uh, would have been in by now. He played, six, he played 13 seasons, um, the first 10 with the Steelers, uh, Went was named to nine consecutive Pro Bowls and six All-Pro teams in that, in those thirteen seasons. Um, a All-Pro guard of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He, re, he re, just retired. Well, not just retired. He retired six years ago in two thousand and ten. And uh, I'm I'm pretty sure his time will come uh, in the next few years. I'm talking about Alan Fanica. Offensive guard for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, who was a big time um, 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 offensive guard for the Steelers for a long period of time, thirteen seasons, like I said. Um, but he hasn't gotten into the Hall of Fame. What's your thoughts on that? Before we go to the next one, yeah, um, like I said before, it, it's it's tougher for guards. It yep. seems like uh, offensive tackles. Uh, get noticed more. Maybe even centers get noticed more than guards. I. I I think Manica will get in. And, and, you know, some guys do have to wait for different reasons. Like, remember, for a, it seemed like for the longest time there was a log jam at wide receiver. Three very qualified players, uh, Chris Carter, uh, uh, Tim Brown, uh, Andre Reed. Those were, like, the three. And then finally one got in, and then the other two subsequently got in. Um, now, with Marvin Harrison... I was wondering also, you know, he was a real 
you know, a very quiet man. He still is. Well, you know, he's still with us, fortunately. Um, kind of like Art Monk. And I think, you know, I thought Art Monk waited way too long to get in. And I think it, it, it can tick off reporters if you don't speak with the media. Um, maybe that had something to do. You know, Marvin Harrison didn't have to wait too long. But I don't know if you remember, he had a, a late in his career, he had an off-the-field issue, the alleged oh, yeah. shooting in Philadelphia. A, 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 a shooting death. Yep. Yeah, I definitely and, remember know, that. And we were calling him Machine Gun Marvin Harrison, and the joke yep. was, you know, it's these quiet guys you got to look out for. Right. Um, and he, he caught a break, maybe. Um, you know, I mean, hey, if he's not charged with it, hey, I, I can't hold it against him. You know, hey, he's not innocent to proven guilty. Hey, he, well, I don't even think he was charged. That I remember when that went down, um, there had been a bank robbery nearby in Philly that resulted in the death of a police officer. And the uh, a spokesman for the uh, Philadelphia Police Department basically said, oh, well, you know, this, I couldn't believe he admitted it. He basically said this, you know, Harrison investigation uh, isn't our priority because, you know, we're busy with this uh, bank robbery that killed the police officer. I'm thinking, this is a major city. What, they can't do two big investigations at the <laughs> yeah. same time? Exactly. You know? Yep. Uh, but, you yep. know, I guess they, they have their priorities and they have, you know, whatever. And uh, needless to say, I'm sure Mar- Marvin Harrison never commented on it. And, hey, I don't blame him, you know, because uh, he was never charged, uh, you know. And, uh, you know what, uh, he gets voted in. I'm fine with that. So uh, congratulations to him. And I, I think also that and this may have hurt his candidacy a little bit that when he left the Colts, you know, that Peyton Manning didn't skip a beat because he had guys like Reggie Wayne to throw to, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. if Peyton Manning's numbers took a big dip, then everybody was like, oh, he's not the same without Harrison. But they right. – uh, I mean, Harrison was with the team first, but early in their careers, those two – were just probably one of the all-time great uh, NFL passing combinations. And you want to talk about opposite guys, you know, you see Peyton Manning's ugly mug on every commercial in history, and Marvin Harrison, I don't even remember seeing an interview with that guy. <laughs> right. And, and and was he was he was he just that good a receiver, or was he a product of the system and the quarterback? And as good as he was, you know, he wasn't perfect. I mean, he uh, – he was lean, very lean for a wide receiver. And, uh, you know, he would do the sit-down once in a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, I don't blame him. You know, hey, you make the catch, you get the yardage. Hey, you know, well, why risk a live, concussion? You know what I'm talking live, about, you know. Live to, he, live to fight another day, you know. Yeah, yeah I understand what you're so, saying. Yeah, uh, so, hey, it wasn't like uh, he was getting alligator arms, but sometimes, uh, you know, he'd, uh, he'd cover up real quick, you know, to, uh, you know keep himself healthy so uh but now he's getting a gold jacket good for him congratulations to him and uh the rest of uh the inductees uh, yep um we got another guy that i thought he was in but i wasn't too sure about this guy guy revolutionized the game um helped de- force defenses to create the nickel and dime schemes we see today uh was a big play um, waiting to happen in his offense. Coach, 14 seasons 
for the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Chargers. The big hit on him, he never reached the Super Bowl, and his team missed the playoffs eight times more than they got in, which is six. His career ended in 1986. He had uh, only 100, I shouldn't say only, but he had 111 career victories, which, which at the time, 14th in NFL history. I'm talking about another other than what they call his nickname was Air Coriel, Don Coriel. I, you know, he revolutionized the passing game and what defenses do against the passing game. And I'm really surprised that he hasn't gone in. I would think that sooner or later he's going to get in on the contributors category um, because of the contribution he he uh, had given to the um, excitement and the um, uh, big play in the NFL. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I guess it probably hurts him that uh, he never went to a Super Bowl. I mean, George uh, George Allen's in there. At least he went to a Super Bowl as a head coach. Um, but, you know, with coaches, I mean, Coriel did win a lot. And, and beyond that, just uh, as an influence – you know, uh, as uh, you know, an offensive mind, that has to be considered, and and that's why, you know, I think uh, you know, George Allen is is one of uh, the all time great coaches because it's so influential. Besides just the X's and O's, because uh, George Allen emphasized special teams. Uh, you know, he emphasized game plan when a lot of teams didn't game plan much back then. He emphasized film study uh, and veteran players imagine now with the free agency uh what what he could do because back then he had to trade for veteran guys um but uh i think uh someone who was friends with coriel and worked uh with coriel john madden was pushing for it for him in but still no coriel in there right and another guy and i thought this guy was in because um players that Played on his team that won four Super Bowls. Um, Terry Bradshaw, uh, Mean Joe Green, Kevin Green. Uh, um, uh, I don't know if Kevin Green played with him, but uh, I don't think he did. But um, Jack Lampert's in there, if I'm not mistaken. But L.C. Greenwood, who died in 2013, had been a Hall finalist six times. Um, and uh, the last time he was a finalist was uh, in 2006, which was 10 years ago. So I don't know if he's ever going to get into the Super Bowl, I mean, into the Hall of Fame. Um, he's one of the nastiest players on that defense that's already sent four players to the, to the Hall. And uh, L.C. Greenwood is not in, the Super, in the Super Bowl, not in the Hall of Fame. What's your thoughts on that? You know, uh, I guess, you know, kind of <clears throat> four guys on one defense – is a lot of guys, uh, plus a lot of guys on that offense, too. A lot of those steel curtain um, Steelers um, right. are are in the hall, and I'm sure there might be uh, voters saying, hey, we already got enough Steelers in there. Uh, and, and just on the defensive line, you know, uh, you got Mean Joe Green. Uh, I'm trying to think. Dwight White and Ernie Fat Holmes were the other two guys on that line. Pretty good, huh? Uh, but they they showed a lot of those Steeler games on TV when uh, when they were the dominant team. Um, you know, uh, it's just, I think, a question of Elsie Green, excellent player, but there's just 
a lot of other excellent players maybe ahead of him. So, um, but you know, it, it almost, I guess it wouldn't work, but it'd almost be interesting if they could just induct a unit, you know, or, you know, like uh, induct the steel curtain. Cause you know, that in the, especially in the early days of, um, that, that Steelers run that, that, that defense and that defensive line was dominant. Um, it wasn't just a catchy nickname. I mean, uh, you know, they, 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 they put the hurt, you know, (laughs) and, and, uh, they they were clean though, you know, for that era, but, uh, they, they, uh, they gave a lot of headaches and a lot of other aches and, uh, Elsie Green was, uh, Greenwood was a big, big piece of that. Now, this other guy, and I'm I'm going across these guys, and I'm thinking, excuse me for a minute, that this guy should have been in the Hall of Fame, but you, you told me that it's hard for guards to get in, and this guy happens to be a guard. He, uh, he was um, was uh, one of the top linemen in his era, and in 1969, Hall of Fame voters named him the best guard in the first 50 years of the NFL. He was a finalist for the Hall ten times, and, uh, but missed the cut each year. Uh, he failed to garner votes as a senior finalist also in 1997. Um, one of the reasons they, that, uh, and I, I think it's Jerry Kramer, that he may have been passed over because there are 11 enshrined members of Vince Labari's Green Bay Pack, Packers team with a few other likely worthy candidates also on the periphery. And like you said, Kramer has been caught in a log jam, but he should not be forgotten. What's your thoughts? Jerry Kramer, man. I mean, wow. I know there's a lot of Vince Lombardi players that are in the Hall of Fame, but uh, I I don't know if he's worthy or not, but in my opinion, uh, I would think he's just as worthy as any of the other 11. What's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, it's just goes to show you how selective the NFL, you know, the Pro Football Hall of Fame could be and what a great honor it is. And, you know, I think, didn't he write a book? Stuff like that usually helps. And, you know, the Packers are both sides of the ball, very well represented that era. Um, Dave Robinson went in a few years ago, which I was a little surprised because, um, you know, so many years had gone by. Um you know, he was a, a linebacker and was, uh, you know, uh, was a, a very good, but, you know, a quiet performer. But, uh, yeah, you know, you think, I mean, guards don't get to put up the big numbers, but, you know, based on Pro Bowl appearances, et cetera, et cetera, um, you know, uh, you think Kramer would go in. And, uh, you know, I hope if they do it, they, they do it when he could still enjoy it. You know, I mean, it just mm-hmm. it cracks me up when they wait. You know, a guy waits 20-plus years, doesn't get in, he passes away, and then they put him in. Come on. You know? <laughs> exactly, they, yep. I mean, they're not psychic. They don't know when a guy's going to pass, but they know when a guy's getting up there in years. And frequently, if it's a well-known guy like Ken Stabler, they know if he's not in good health. So, um, But I guess, you know, some people are, you know, maybe just say, hey, I'm, I'm not, you know, I can only speculate what goes on in the minds of the voters. Could say, hey, we already got enough Packers in there, enough's enough. But uh, I don't know. But you know what? If he's worthy, he's worthy. If he's not, he's not. You know, it, it shouldn't come into play too much of how many other guys, you know, wearing the green and gold are in there. 
Another guy here rushed for um, 6,400 yards and 56 touchdowns in his first four seasons. He also had, uh, in 1998, a 2,008-yard season, which is still the fifth-highest single-season total in NFL history. Um, He didn't fare that well after the fact because of um, knee problems after he tore his ACL and MCL in his right knee. He finished his career with 7,600 yards, um, but but if you put that in context, Emmitt Smith ran for an NFL record 18,000 or over 18,000 yards. But because uh, Terrell Davis, because he had a short career, but he had a dy- dynamic career, it's not un- it's not unprecedented uh, because Gale Sayers was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1977, who had a short career. He only rushed for 400, excuse me, for 4,956 yards and 39 touchdowns during seven seasons. Uh, even though, and also he was an elite kick returner. So it has happened before. What's your thoughts, Terrell Davis? Uh, at some point, getting elected into the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I I think the obvious comparison is Gale Sayers, um, because of the brief careers, um, both due to injury. Um, I mean, just both both are excellent players. Gale Sayers was a more exciting player because you know he he returned kicks and punts and was a real big play guy. And y- you know what I think um, hurt. Um, uh, Terrell Davis was um, that you know I remember when he was playing for the Broncos and everybody thought he was terrific Uh, I remember him you know uh, fighting a migraine in the Super Bowl and and he just was just excellent running back Uh, and you know it was great also I mean I think he came in as a a late draft pick maybe even undrafted but uh, um, uh, he kind of got screwed by his college coaches which shows you know how how petty and immature those people could be, but uh, you know he had to he had to fight his way to make the Broncos roster his rookie year, and boy he really uh, distinguished himself. But then, and I I really think this hurts uh, Davis. It's not his fault. After you know his career ends, it seems every year the Broncos had a different guy rushing for at least a thousand yards. You know, yeah. and. Yeah. So it, it kind of says, well, it's the system, but you know what? Hey, he, he hit 2,000 yards. None of those other guys came close to that. The only guy I think who got remotely close was uh, Clinton Portis. But it seemed mm-hmm. like, you know, like with Denver, it was like, boom. Uh, I, I can't remember. Like Mike Alexander, boom, 1,000 yards. Uh, you know, trying to think of some of the other guys, just, you know, one after the other. Um, just – you know, uh, Shanahan, he reeled with that zone-blocking run game. He really knew how to, you know, create uh, a, a good running game. Uh, and a lot of there's still a few teams using that system. And, and maybe that cost Davis some votes. And, you know, part of it is longevity. But, you know, hey, he was dominant. He didn't just stick around. And, and get yards by accident. You know, he he was probably the best running back during his short career. And you you got to give a guy credit for uh, being dominant. All right, this next guy 
Only 11 enshrined players spent their entire careers at safety, and all of them began their careers before the 1970 AFL-NFL merger. It has been 18 years since any of them were elected. Paul Krauss was the last in 1998. That's the history John Lynch faces despite a strong candidacy of trying to get into the Hall of Fame. Now, Krauss had 81 interceptions. Lynch only had 26 at at the position of safety. Um, But Steve Atwater had a better career, in my opinion, than John Lynch, and and he's not in yet. And I think he should be uh, ahead of John Lynch, uh, and John Lynch should be behind him in line. Um, But with a a blend of coverage, hard hits, and run-stopping excellence, um, he defined what a modern, modern safety uh, should be. Um, he he's been retired ten years. I can't believe that. Um, and just like Tyron Matthew, uh, the league is finally realizing the value of a multi-tool safety. Um, John Lynch was one of those. Ronnie Light was a lot, even though he played a lot of corner before he moved to safety. Was another guy that was um, uh, multi-tool. Um, He's in the Ring of Honor in the um, Broncos and the Ring of Honor in the Buccaneers. Um, excuse me, the Ring of Fame in the Broncos, the Ring of Honor in the Buccaneers. Uh, John Lynch, uh, what's your thoughts on um, him not uh, in the Hall of Fame yet? Yeah, you know, um, I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, that that Tampa Bay defense was outstanding one of the all-time great defenses, and they had a Hall of Famer at each level. You know, Warren Sapp, he's already in. Derek Brooks is in the Hall of Fame. And maybe there might be somebody in line ahead of Lynch, but you think he would. And, I mean, I think John Lynch played quarterback in college, which goes to show you um, what what a good athlete he was. And, uh, you know, that – you know he's got the Super Bowl ring, and besides that ring, they they were outstanding before and after that Super Bowl year. That was a, a, a rock solid defense year after year. Um, but uh, he he might have to wait a little bit, and that's okay. You know he'll he'll probably get in eventually. And uh, also with some of the safeties, you know some of them did play corner. He never played corner, but hey, you know one of the best. So uh, you know I think he's he's. He's in line. He's he's in towards the front of the line, but he's in the line. One of the most accurate quarterbacks of of his generation. Um, he played only eight seasons. Uh, took two teams. He's the only one. He's one of only three quarterbacks to take two teams to the Super Bowl: St. Louis and Arizona. I don't have to tell you really. Uh, guess who his name is, it's Kurt Warner. Um, he missed out, I think, on his last last year as being eligible last year and uh, um, and this year, or this year, I should think. I think this year was his first year eligibility, if I'm not mistaken, and he missed out on it. Uh, what's your thoughts on him possibly getting in, in the near future into the Super Bowl? Um, I mean, in the Hall of Fame, I'm sorry. Well, you know what, now, uh, I don't know if this is an issue because uh, I think already some of his teammates are in there. Well, Orlando Pace, I mean, 
uh, it, I don't know if they don't like teammates in the same Hall of Fame class. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. You never know. Because um, you know what? I mean, uh, the guys like Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, they kept Kurt Warner uh, in the sports pages. But Orlando Pace kept him out of the obituaries. You know, and that was important because, yes, thank you. I'll be here all week because mm-hmm. um, Mike Martz's system uh, that he didn't like leaving in uh, the running backs to block. So you needed good offensive line. Well, you always need good offensive linemen, but you really, and you know, Kurt Warner wasn't going to run away from anybody. That's for sure. Right. One of right. the last of the great drop back passes, um, you know. Um, so I, I really think. With Warner, uh, it's it's a question of when. I had a buddy who's very knowledgeable, a big football fan. But before Warner even finished his career with Arizona, he was thinking that Warner should go in just for, you know, I guess five great years in St. Louis. He was so dominant. But then right. he proved in Arizona it wasn't just that Mike Mart system, that he really was a, a, a great quarterback. And you know, uh, everybody knows his story. He was on TV a lot, you know. Um, and, uh, I, you know, hey, he, he had a tough road to uh, the NFL, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, he he made he made the best of it. So, uh, you know, he, I'll tell you, though, that he had that great quick release. Um, and, uh, you know, he... Uh, think he kind of honed that a little in the arena league because that's a real yep. you know three-step drop yep. you know league and uh you know uh it, it's funny because uh i remember the year when Court, kurt warner was with the giants uh it, it's easy to forget that he was with the giants for a year he was the veteran uh for eli's uh rookie year and it was it was a good pickup by ernie Accorsi. Uh, and, uh, you know, Warner didn't have any regrets, and he said he liked the way Coughlin was honest with him because uh, the offensive line was struggling and Kurt, Kurt was taking a beating. And, you know, he, he gets the meeting with Coughlin, and he was expecting Coughlin to criticize him for, you know, his play, and uh, he basically said, well, it's time for Eli. So he didn't give him the unfair criticism, and it was time for Eli at that point. So, mm-hmm. and... uh uh, you know, I think when the the Giants got him, you know, uh, his stock was down, and uh, it happens because he, you know, he did get some injuries later in his career in St. Louis, and uh, there were criticisms about his lack of mobility, and you know, he he was taking a pounding with the Giants. I mean, if they kept him in the lineup, I doubt he would have finished the season, right. and. Uh, I got to give Coughlin credit or whoever was the coordinator at the time that um, when, when that line was struggling and eventually they built it up and it came together that, and this, I don't understand why more NFL teams don't do it. They, they were keeping in the running backs and tight ends to block. If they didn't, Eli would have been crippled. I mean, and it, it cracks me up that when these offensive coordinators, the guys calling the plays, they think it's in the Constitution that you're allowed to send every tight end and every running back, have them run a pass route every play, no matter what, and they're, you know, uh, and the refs are going to protect your quarterback. No, that that's not how it works, you know. Right. And 
if your line's struggling, sometimes you got to keep guys in to block. And believe me, they were they were keeping in sometimes Tiki Barber and Jeremy Shockey, two of their best receivers, to block. Hey, they had to, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, so, some offensive corners don't like doing that, and then they wonder why these uh, quarterbacks keep getting knocked out of games. So, um, yeah, that was the uh, the the Giants chapter of uh, Kurt Warner's career. Real class guy too, which I think will endear him to the voters. Yeah. All right, this guy is the exact opposite. I'm sure that, that was a great, uh, 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 great way you gave me a segue to this, uh, uh, to this last guy. One of the most productive and feared receivers of his generation. He finished his career in 2010 with the second most yards, 15,934. Second most touchdowns, 153. And fifth most receptions, 1,078 among receivers in NFL history. Uh, only one person, Randy Moss, surpassed him touchdown total before retiring in 2012. It's now a lot of people are saying because the uh, NFL has leaned toward passing offenses that that has ballooned his uh, the receiving statistics. Uh, but he, in my opinion, he stood above most of all his contemporaries, and despite. His uh, personality that offended a lot of people, including writers and fans, um, Terrell Owens uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. What's your thoughts? I know you may not like him. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a big Terrell Owens fan on the field. He, he, he definitely got uh, um, 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 personality uh, issues off the field, but on the field, he was a beast when he played. You know, he might have to wait a while, um, maybe similar to uh, uh, Charles Haley, because uh, Charles Haley was uh, a very difficult uh, teammate at times, uh, and I think guys tend to, uh, you know, uh, assume certain things about those guys. Uh, I mean, Haley, it's hard to believe that uh, uh, the, the Niners would trade them to their rival Dallas, but he was driving them crazy. But as difficult as Haley was, he was a smart player and a hard worker. But, <laughs> you know, uh, he just was uh, just constantly provoking people and uh, just really bizarre behavior. But uh, I think, though, Charles Haley was uh, legitimately bipolar. I don't know if uh, Terrell Owens has a, a legitimate mental health diagnosis. Uh, but, you know, he worked hard. Uh, he was a very smart player. Um you know, came into the league a third round pick from uh, Tennessee Chattanooga. Um, you know, uh, you know, but that, it was funny when people would talk about, you know, the wide receivers have a rep for being divas, and and people would sometimes lump uh, Owens with some of these guys who would have, uh, you know, uh, criminal issues, not just locker room issues. And I and I, I'd actually stick up for T.O. I'm like, hey, listen. He's a turd. He's not a criminal. You know what I'm saying? Don't lump him with those guys. He stays off the police blotters. You he, know? Yes, he does. Yes, he did. S- except for that one accidental overdose, but you know, mm-hmm. that was a minor thing, relatively speaking. Yeah, I'll tell you, he he really, uh, you know, uh, and I'll tell you, a guy who frequently gets compared to T.O., and this guy belongs in the Hall of Fame despite the nonsense, uh, he's got to wait a couple more years for eligibility, Randy Moss. Right. Because when that guy was on, 
he was unstoppable. You want to talk about dominant. Uh, yeah, not a perfect guy, not a perfect player. But, uh, you know, who knows? that, that It might be a logjam with those two guys for a while. And it, it might hurt some of the old-timers to vote these modern-era divas in. But, uh, yeah, the T.O. was – he 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 was excellent. I got to give it to him. Um, and you know, I'll tell you, my, you know, my team, the Giants, they got a diva now, and I effing hate the guy. <laughs> you know, I know he's oh, good. Oh wow, really? But I do. You know who I mean? I just I yeah, can't. I know you don't, but yeah. I I just can't stand him. You know, uh, it, it just. Um, I mean, he is talented, but I don't like the guy. You know, it's all this playground nonsense. You know, he could dish it out, but he can't take it. And then he prances around, and he doesn't like it when somebody insults his manhood. It's like, grow up. You know, he he should have learned this stuff decades ago. Um, or maybe a decade and a half ago. He's a young guy. Um, I, I just, I, I just, I, I can't stand him. And uh, uh, I can't remember the last time I disliked some somebody so much who played for the Giants. I think the last time, and this guy was had different issues. He had criminal issues. I hated Christian Peter. I, I didn't want him on the team. Because um, he had, they never should have signed him. He did stay out of trouble once the Giants signed him, but at that point he already got about a half dozen second chances, and uh, that guy was a real criminal. He had a real rap sheet. We're not talking misdemeanor weed. We're talking like a lot of violence against women and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, that was before the NFL was getting a ton of criticism over that stuff. Maybe now he he would uh, he wouldn't be allowed to play in the NFL, and uh, he 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 got caught some breaks from the system and whatever. And uh, I, I hated that guy. I was happy when the Giants got rid of him. All right. Uh, the inductees, when I say uh, uh, the enshrinees, I should say, are Eddie DiBartolo Jr., Tony Dungy, Brett Favre. Kevin Green, Marvin Harrison, Orlando Pace, Kenny Stabler, uh, post, posthumously, and Bert, and also Dick Stanfield. And ironically, these two guys um, died about about two or three weeks um, between each other uh, a, a, a little over a year ago, uh, ironically, uh, for both Stanfield and Stabler. Stanfield died in the um, early part of July, and Stabler died in the later part of June uh, of last year. So... Um, but uh, the uh, enshrinement ceremony, the gold jacket ceremony, took place uh, taking place today. Um, uh, on the Saturday will be the uh, enshrinement ceremony where you get to hear all of them speak. Um, I think Brett Favre is going to be the last, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know who's first. And quite naturally, Jeff, this is what I'm really excited about. Uh, Sunday, I thought it was on Saturday, but it's on a Sunday. It's uh, 8 p.m. It's the Hall of Fame game. The first, it kicks off preseason football, Jeff, which leads to uh, more preseason football games, which eventually leads to regular season football and, quite naturally, um, fantasy football. So, the, if I'm not mistaken, the Green Bay Packers are um, – Playing the Cleveland Cleveland uh, Browns, if I'm not mistaken, am I right about that? Yeah, I, I can't remember the teams, uh, but let me tell you, your excitement will end once that game starts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm, I'm looking it up now to, to see exactly. I think it is the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns playing the um, – um, come on. No, I'm sorry. It's the Cleveland Browns playing the um, – excuse me, the Green Bay Packers playing the Indianapolis Colts, which should be a – I don't know about an exciting – well, maybe it should be an exciting game. You got two top-flight quarterbacks with uh, offenses and, and, uh, and players on both sides that – are either looking to come back, being Andrew Luck, from a bad season of, of injuries, and on this other side, uh, Jordy Nelson on Green Bay. I don't know how much either one of these guys are going to play the first game of preseason. But uh, both of these teams have, I would say, I would say something to prove. And uh, probably when we get, want to get off on a good foot, uh, the starters probably aren't going to play a lot in the first game, seeing, seeing that they're going to have five preseason games versus the other teams that only have four. So, um, but it's the preseason. It's football coming back, uh, and and it and it's uh, autumn is right around the corner. What's your thoughts on this uh, preseason game and the um, return of some real football? Well, I think those long induction Hall of Fame induction speeches are probably more exciting than the Hall of Fame game. Um, it's a raw game because, you know, these guys have only been camp a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Starters only play about a quarter. But it's part of the process, and this is what brings us back to the real McCoy. So bring it, baby, you know. So And, and I think they make tonight um, – the the inductees get their Hall of Fame gold jackets. Yep. Um, you know, it's a lot better than that Century One, uh, Century Twenty One gold jacket you get for selling real estate. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, carries a lot uh, more much weight. Much better. Yep, and uh, they really, you know, make it into uh, you know a, a really long event, and it's they, you know, it's a real, it's a great honor as it should be, and it's a real special uh, fraternity. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's so Thursday night they they get the jackets and uh, uh, the induction I think is Saturday. But they have a whole weekend of activity. They have all this stuff. It's it's you know it's almost like you know like sometimes you go to a wedding and it, the whole thing is days. This is kind of right. like that I think. Okay. I hear you. All right, we come to the end of the show, Jeff. You got anything that uh, we may have left out? I know that probably a lot we left out, but uh, anything that you want to bring up before we um, pack our bags and, and walk out the door? Well, I'll tell you, I can't believe it. I was actually thinking of gymnastics. I don't think we ever talked about gymnastics on this show, but uh, Olympics are coming up. I, I don't usually watch much, but uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know, Olympics starting. Uh, I don't know why. I think because uh, – the uh, one of the uh, USA gymnasts, Lori Hernandez, is from New Jersey, so uh, maybe uh, I'll be uh, watching her. Uh, she's very popular. She's a, a colorful character and a, a great gymnast. So, uh, but you know, uh, I think uh, Simone Biles is considered the uh, the best gymnast on the team, and uh, I think they're close friends actually. But you know, hey, maybe they both could get medals. You know, so uh, you know, I, I just hope. They, uh, there's no troubles at the game because usually there's a trouble or two before every Olympics, but 
seems like there's about a half a dozen issues going on with this version. So uh, right. uh, hopefully everybody's uh, healthy and safe. So I uh, hope for the best. I hear you, Jeff. All right, people, we're out of here. No music. We're just going to drop the mic and walk out. Jeff, talk to you next week. See ya.